Brian Smith is going to talk today. And let me tell you a little bit about Brian. Brian Smith became acquainted with grief in 2015 after the sudden passing of his 15-year-old daughter, Shana. Since then, he has studied the nature of life and death and how to progress through grief. Today, Brian helps guide others going through loss of any kind. So welcome, Brian. Welcome, Brian. Great to have you on the show today. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. And, and I love the picture of Shana, I'm guessing, behind you. That is Shana, yes. Phenomenal. My name is Brian Smith. Uh, my business is called Grief to Growth, uh, but I also work extensively with a group called Helping Parents Heal. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that while we're talking today. So uh, what I've got a few minutes here, what I want to discuss is how we can kind of flip the script on what grief actually is and how we can maybe look at grief and life and death a little bit differently. So in the time I have today, I want to talk about what society's relationship is with death currently. We'll talk about what grief is. We'll think about grief as what if we think about grief as the beginning of a journey, what to expect when we're going through grief. I'm going to talk about grief as a practice as opposed to something that we just have to endure. I'm going to give you a few tools that you can use while you're going through grief, and then we'll summarize. So in generally in our society, death is kind of a, a stranger. We kind of hide death away. We don't, we don't like to see it. Uh, a lot of times nowadays we die in the hospital. Sometimes people die alone. Uh, whereas in the past, you know, people typically died at home, for example, and people were, were more familiar with death, children growing up on farms and see animals dying. So death becomes to a lot of us as a shock. Uh, we have a very youth oriented culture. We have a culture that says death is the ultimate failure, that we want to remain young. We were constantly obsessed with, you know, uh, looking like we're younger than we are and, and, and we change our bodies to pretend that death doesn't exist, that we don't actually even age because it reminds us of death. We have preconceived notions of when people should die. And this applies particularly to me. My daughter, Shana, who you can see behind me, was 15 years old when she passed away. That's not something I ever expected. Now, and again, in, in, in earlier times, children would pass away all the time. It wasn't so much of a shock as it is now. And now we have a, this idea that Everyone should live to be 80 or 90 or 100 years old. And when people don't live to be that long, it really throws our notion of what's fair and what's right way off. We don't really have extensive knowledge of the afterlife. I was just interviewing someone yesterday for my podcast uh, who's talking about the afterlife in a film that he's putting out. And we were talking about how this is, it almost seems to be news to people. It's called new age sometimes to talk about the afterlife, which as in typically in ancient cultures, Everybody knew about the afterlife. Everybody believed in the afterlife. But we've gotten to the point in our society now where it's, it's kind of not known anymore. Uh, and we think of death as the ultimate failure, that you know we, we fight against death, we rail against death. But the one thing that we honestly all know when we're born, when, even when we have our children, that we all ultimately go back to where we came from. None of us, nobody here lives in this body forever. But we think of death, death as the ultimate failure, and we talk about it in that sense. So therefore, if that's your belief, that means that the end of everyone's life is a failure. That's not a very productive way to view, um, the, view the world or view life. So what if we flip that on its, on its head? What if we said that death is not the end of the journey, but the beginning of a journey? And I say this in, in two senses. It's the beginning of the journey for the person who we call deceased, because I don't believe that they cease to exist. 
As a matter of fact, I believe they're in a much greater, higher state that we're in. But what if it's also the beginning of the journey for us? What if it's the beginning of the journey for us, the bereaved, the person that's left behind? What if we looked at this as a different way, as, as an opportunity to grow? So how do we do that? Well, we got to really look at the world and life and death differently, as I kind of alluded to before. And there are two basic ways of viewing the world, two philosophical ways of viewing the world. The first one is materialism. Now, materialism is the belief that all there is is what we can see, what we can see, what we can taste, what we can hear, what we can measure with our instruments. Um, and this is, a, this is actually a relatively new view of the world that came about in the last couple of hundred years. This view also believes that consciousness arises from the material, that the material universe pre-existed consciousness, and then somehow through a series of incidents and ever-growing complexity of, 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 this, of its inert material, became conscious. So that's the materialistic point of view. So this point of view leads us to the conclusion that when the body dies, consciousness dies. It's really the only conclusion you can form. If consciousness, if you think of it as resting on the material or arising from the material, living in the material, if that's true, then when the body dies and consciousness must, must, must die, and since we're nothing really but consciousness, we would cease to exist. Now, the other way of looking at the world is we call idealism. Now, idealism, again, turns us completely around. And idealism says that consciousness is actually the foundation of everything. The consciousness pre-existed pre the material. And that the material is actually a subset, if you will, of consciousness. So what does this lead us to believe? Well, that means that, again, material, the material universe is derivative. It's not foundational. It's not primary. It is actually derivative from consciousness. And since consciousness never began in the sense of the material universe, consciousness also never ends. Consciousness never, never dies. And this is my first, this is my belief. I believe that consciousness, the one collective consciousness that we all arise out of, not only is that eternal, but we are eternal as, as beings here having a temporary materialistic or material ex, um, experience. So again, I believe that consciousness is actually everything. And this is the foundation of why I believe that if we, if we can hold this belief, that we can look at grief in a very, very different way. And again, just to reiterate this, the idea of idealism, which some people, it might be a new term to you. And when I say materialistic, I don't mean materialistic in the sense that we like material things. And that sense, I mean materialistic in that everything is material. But the idea of idealism is being talked about by philosophers, and I would say again, not just now, but it's actually something that's been talked about again, because this is, a, this is the idea that actually most people had for most of mankind's existence. And as I said, just recently, we kind of moved away from this in the materialism. If you look at the creation myths, uh, and I, I was raised a Christian, so I know about the creation myth of, that's in the Bible. But if you look at other creation myths from around the world, there's have some really interesting things in common. And one of the things they have in common is they all start with some form of consciousness. They all start with consciousness creating the material. And actually, it's interesting because if you look at even the Big Bang Theory, which is a very materialistic theory, it starts with this singularity that explodes in everything there is, which is very similar to a lot of the creation myths. So my belief is that the philosophers and the ancient theologians had it right, and the scientists are finally kind of coming around, back around to that. So again, consciousness is eternal. Another thing about these creation myths, a lot of times what happens is consciousness in one form or another steps into its creation. It steps into the material world. Um, 
some people use analogies like, you know, the material world is, is a dream and we are being dreamed by consciousness, but somehow this consciousness kind of interacts with the world that it's created. Um, I believe that idealism, this idea that consciousness is what we are, is actually built into us. I think this is inherent in our nature and that when people are come into this materialistic society that we live in, it's kind of driven out of us. And we're told, no, you're just an accidental biological robot in a meaningless universe that doesn't care about you. You you were created, if you want to lose that word, when you were born. And when you die, you'll be destroyed. But I believe this goes against man's nature. And I believe that's one of the reasons why, uh, I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of us are so lonely, frankly, why we struggle with uh, not being able to connect to each other. I believe that's why we don't really value each other in a lot of sense. And I believe that we've forgotten this. And it's something that we just really need to be reminded of. And so there's, and I want to tell you, there's a lot out there that supports this idea. Um, I actually, there's a, a, a guy I want to mention, wrote a, uh, several books. His name is Dr. Bernardo Castro. And he wrote several books about this idea of idealism. So sometimes people will think this is just a theological thing, or this is just wishful thinking. But actually, this actually makes a lot of sense when you start to look at things, even from a scientific or a point of view where we can study things. Uh, quantum physics is really turning the idea of materialism on its head. The idea that consciousness can interact with the material, and this has been proven over and over again. There are lots of scientific studies to study things like ESP and what they call psi abilities. So these, are, these ideas are supported. So I'm not here, I don't tell people that this is something that you should just believe and take on faith, but I believe there's, a, I know there's a lot of evidence for this and I've been studying it for, for quite a while. So why is this really important? Okay, what happens to us when we quote die? What happens to us when our material body ceases to function? Now, I don't like the word die because the word die has an implication that is this an end and it's a cessation of life. And, in, and it's true in a sense, because our bodies, as we all know, and it's obvious, do not live forever. Our bodies will die. If we were our bodies, as I said earlier, that means that we would die. But I don't believe we are our bodies. And again, there's a lot of evidence for that. So when we die, there are, there are three different ways we can basically look at this. The first way is when we die, we blink out. We're just like a light bulb. When we die, our brain shuts down, our body, our, our consciousness is gone, and we just turn off. And this is a belief that some people hold to this day. This is a belief that doesn't give us any hope, of course, for, for an afterlife or for an existing relationship with someone who's gone on. But this is, a, this is a one way to look at life. Another way that people look at life sometimes is when we die is that we merge. We merge into the one, that we just become this greater form of consciousness. This is the idea that energy is neither created nor destroyed. Nor destroyed. So when we die, our energy just kind of goes back out into where we came from. But there's another way of looking at this, and this is the way that I look at it, that we actually, when we, quote, die, when our bodies stop, we actually expand, that we expand back into what we came from. We, I believe we lose our ego. Our ego, our ego is the sense of what makes me different from you, what separates me from you. Uh, it's, it's necessary to live on this planet. It's necessary to know where I end and you would begin. So I know not to give away everything I own, for example. So the ego is something that is formed when we come to live in this material world. And it's a very necessary thing. Um, but even though we lose the ego, we do keep the sense of I, we do keep our individuality. And again, I believe this is supported by after death communications, by mediumship connections with people that are beyond. 
the people that that when we, that people I, I i say the people we are the people we will all go back to that state at one point but when we cross back over we do keep our sense of eye we retain our memories we, we retain that sense of self so i don't believe in the in the merge theory necessarily i believe we do keep the sense of i we go beyond our story i right now i am i'm brian i am I, I identify as brian when people call that name that's the name i respond to and i have a story i remember my youth i think about myself as being born in 1961 and i grew up in columbus ohio that's my story that's a story of me in this individual lifetime and in this individuation i believe that we are we live many lifetimes and that when we re, re reunite with our our greater self that we go beyond the story, the little story that's Brian. And I, and I remember, and I can recall the collective story of, of my greater self. Again, I also believe we retain access to our memories, uh, but we also gain access to a collective consciousness. This is the really cool thing about death, I think, is we we expand in the sense that we I can contact, I can now connect with my collective consciousness, with my prior lives, if you want to look at it that way, or my future lives, and even lives, maybe other people that might be in my my soul group, which is getting into a concept I don't have time to talk about today. Um, again, reunion with our greater self. We go back to this state where we have reunion with ourself and we have reunion with our greater, our greater, our team, the people that we come in with, that we reincarnate with over and over again. We have these reunions when we go back. So for me, this is something really cool to look forward to. Um, I, I, I love this cartoon, so I had to include this. I love this image of, you know, here we are as, as uh, people, material people, trying to hold people back. You know, we want we want to keep our loved ones with us, and that's normal. That's a part of being human. Uh, I wish my daughter was here with me now in the physical, but they're not gone. They don't they they don't cease to exist. They just move back to where they came from. I believe when it comes to death, that we have absolutely nothing to fear and we have everything to gain. Now, one of my favorite authors is uh, C.S. Lewis. I love this quote from him. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And, uh, I say this in reference to, we cling to what we know. We cling to this life because we know this life. But this quote reminds me of my friend, Peter Panagor, who's been on the other side a couple of times. And he was, I was talking to him, he said, you know, living here is like living in the gutter when you have a mansion to, to move back into. And it doesn't mean that living here is all hell or all bad, not at all, this place is great. But compared to what was waiting for us, we can't even imagine it. So it's enjoy your life, enjoy your time while you're here. That's fantastic. But also remember you have something to look forward to. And another quote I love, this is from the Bible. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, to me, this reminds me of the near-death experience. When people come back from a near-death experience, they say, I would love to tell you what I experienced. I can't, I can't put it in the words. I can't, I can't put the feelings in the words. I can't put the colors in the words. I can't even put the timeline to it because things don't happen in the same order there. I can be in multiple places at once. I can, I can think, you know, at a, at a much faster speed than I think here. We communicate telepathically. We can't even imagine what waits for us. So how does this relate to grief? When I think of my daughter, when I think of our loved ones on the other side, 
and don't feel bad for them. I never feel bad for the people on the other side. When someone crosses over, I'm, I rejoice for them. Uh, I feel bad for myself, but we should never fear that they're gone or they're lost. So what is grief? Grief is a deep, prolonged mental anguish, intense sorrow. It's an emotional suffering resulting from a loss. And this could be any loss, okay? So we're talking about grief specifically in terms of death usually. This could be any loss, such as um, a loss of a job, a loss of a relationship. We just, we're going through coronavirus, a loss of freedom, et cetera. So that's what grief is. And grief feels like the end. It feels like you've been planted, like, like you've been buried, like you've been just put under the earth and you'll never see the sun again. Another quote I love is, this is from Jesus from the Bible. I assure you and must solemnly say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Just one grain, never more. But if it dies, it produces much grain and it yields a harvest. And this is why I titled my business grief to growth, because I believe that when someone passes away, it can be like us being planted. It's our choice, but we can actually choose to see ourselves as planted rather than buried. Now, in, in grief counseling, there are a couple of different theories. And the one that's becoming more prevalent now is called continuing bonds. Um, grief counselors a while ago said, okay, you need to be realistic. You know, your person is gone. You need to let them go. And again, I was just interviewing a, a gentleman yesterday whose mother's um, husband passed away and she started having um, interactions with them after death communications. And her grief counselor said, you need to let that go. That's really old fashioned way of looking at, at, at grief relief. Now we can have continuing bonds. We never let go of our loved ones. We keep them with us in our lives, in our hearts for the rest of our lives while we're here. But grief does require practice. It's not easy. We can't just let it happen to us. Uh, it requires actually actively looking for hope. It requires finding your tribe. I, I, as I mentioned earlier, Helping Parents Heal is an organization that I found. Other parents who have lost children. Um, I know the previous speaker talked about finding tribes of women who have, have lost husbands. Find people you can relate to. Find a safe space. Find people who will build you up rather than tear you down. I think this is really, really key in the dealing with grief. And it requires resetting your mind, literally changing your mind in the way that you think. Grief, as I said, can be a growth opportunity. Um, there, you, the thing about anything that happens to you, there's three ways you can look at it in terms of growth. You can gain knowledge from that event that happened to you, something that you didn't know before. You can gain new skills or develop new strengths from whatever it is that happened to you because you need to develop these skills to overcome it. And you can use that tragedy, whatever it is that happened to you, to inspire your next act. So like, for example, the mother, uh, the mother who found out Mothers Against Drunk Driving had a child that passed in a drunk driving accident. The, the reason I'm talking to you today is because my daughter passed away seven years ago. Four, three years ago, I decided that I was going to do this to honor my daughter. So whatever it is that's happened to you, you can use that as inspiration for the next thing that you decide to do. Now, I like to use a four-letter acronym to what I, uh, what I do on a daily basis. And I think, as I said, grief is a practice. It's something we need to do every day. You need to practice gratitude. Be grateful for what you have. I know this sounds difficult, but there's always something to be grateful for. So I do this every day before I got to get out of bed in the morning. I think of three things at least that I'm grateful for. Um, the other thing is I think it's really important to exercise because of the mind-body connection. The third thing is practice some sort of meditation and mindfulness. And the fourth thing is to make sure you're getting enough sleep. A lot of times when people go through grief, sleep is a very difficult thing. 
These are four things you can do when you're going through grief or any time of your life. This is a great practice to have on a daily basis, no matter what it is you're going through. Um, and in conclusion, I want to just let you know who I am again. My name is Brian Smith. You can find me at grief to growth.com. That's grief, the number two growth.com. I mentioned helping parents heal. It's helpingparentsheal.org if you want to find Helping Parents Heal. If you lost a child or you know someone else has lost a child. So thanks for having me. Uh, and and uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Wow, Brian, you are a phenomenal speaker. And I love all the information you're giving everybody. Yeah. Like they have a toolbox to go home with and to say, okay, these are the kinds of things I can do to get from grief to growth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we're looking forward to seeing you at Helping Parents Heal. Awesome. Thank you for having me.